Uh, the biggest lie my mum ever told me. Oh, I don't know if I can share this. My mum once told me that if I wanted to, I could be the Prime Minister of Australia. She, biggest lie ever. It took me about two years to work out that that's probably not the truth. I don't think I can be the Prime Minister of Australia. And trust me, you would not want me to be running uh, this country. One of my favourite music bands of all time, Boys to Men. Even now on my Spotify playlist, Spotify, if anyone is uh, tuning in from Spotify, would love to be an endorser of your product. Um, when one sweet day from Boys to Men and Mariah Carey come on, and some of you are like, who's Boys to Men? <laughs> Google it, okay? When that comes on, I pump up the music and I just sing. And uh, my wife gets embarrassed, my kids get embarrassed, everyone in the car gets embarrassed, but that's okay. What does it mean to grow up? What does it take for a child to become an adult? And the term is maturity. Uh, Last week, we started this series, Boys to Men, the journey of spiritual maturity. And last week, Pastor James introduced us to five statements that have been globally accepted as maturing statements. The more that we learn to accept these statements, the more that we will grow and mature. And these are the five statements. Life is hard. You are not important. Your life is not about you. You are not in control. And the last one, you are going to die. And as we learn and as we grow, we realize that these are very real statements. These are very real truths that we have to learn to accept. And this is the same for our faith. Each of these statements have so much biblical truth behind them. And in the same way, we need to learn to accept them to grow from being girls to women, from boys to men. As Christians, we need to learn to accept these to grow in our faith and become mature believers. Now, why is it important for us to grow spiritually? Why is it important for us that, that, that we um, pursue spiritual maturity? Because God wants us to grow. God wants you to be healthy. Healthy things grow. God wants you to be not just where you are now, but he wants you to experience in fullness and deeper levels of who God is. And you only experience that as you grow. Now, with all things, health does not automatically come. Right? You don't wake up one morning and go, I'm going to be really healthy, and then bang, you're healthy. It doesn't happen. It takes time. It takes intentionality around wanting to be healthy and actually acting upon that health. Last week, Pastor James started off with the idea that life is hard. And what a way to start, right? For some of you, this is going to be a big reality check, right? You need to realize that life is hard. The reality as believers is that God did not create us. He did not save us so that we could live cushy, comfortable lives. But in this broken world, we need to understand that the reality of our life is hard. And God put us here 
Not that we can stay away from the hard parts of the world, but actually to be involved in the hard parts of the world. To take the light that we have through Christ into the dark areas. And I love the application points that Pastor James gave us last week. To find joy in suffering and to find it within community. I don't know about you, but that was the best sermon that I ever heard Pastor James preach. And one of the most impressive parts of it was his vulnerability. He was really open last week. Like, I've never seen him that open before, especially as he talked about, um, you know, some of the hardships that he's gone through in his life. And then when he told you that, you know, he really didn't want to wear socks. And, and when he told you how his heart was broken by some stupid girl who doesn't even come to this church anymore, you know. And can I just tell you, and if you're watching online, we do love you. <laughs> Just in case, can I tell you, when, when Pastor James tells us that it was really hard for him and because he was really emo and, and, and mopey the whole time, can I just tell you that was one of the hardest times of my life to, as well because I had to be there and he was so emo and he was so mopey and I was like, when is this going to end? And praise the Lord, it did, it did. He's not like that anymore. He's, uh, he's good, he's good. But today we move on to the second statement, and it's this, you are not important. Now, I know some of you, that is the greatest lie that your mom ever told you, that you are the most important person in the world, that there is no one like you. Can I tell you, every parent loves their child, but every parent is also a liar, right? You are not important. Important, And I'm telling you, today's sermon for some of you is going to come very uncomfortable because literally your mum lied to you, okay? And I need to break that. Let's go to a short video about my youngest son. Uh, we found out this week that he is only one, but he is a very selfish, sinful, narcissistic little human being. Let's watch this video. First, look, it looks like my first, my, my youngest is wanting to play with my third, but the reality was this. My, my three-year-old son was sitting on mum's lap, and this one-year-old, one, suddenly exploded in jealousy and rage. And what he was trying to do was he was trying to attack his older brother to get mum back. Why? Because it's his mum. See, for kids... Right? They don't understand the big wide world. All they see is what's in front of them. Kids believe that they are the most important being in the world. They think that they are the center of the universe. They believe that everything, including the sun, rotates around them. Everything is about you because you are so important. But 
We know as we grow older that that is not the case. That there are other people in this world, in this universe, and that you are not the most important person in the world, but you start to develop an awareness for others. Now, I want to use this example of eating a meal, right? Real simple example, right? To show you the five stages of maturity of how this changes in awareness. So number one stage is a baby, right? There we go. When a baby is hungry, what do they do? They cry. They can't verbalize. They can't be like, mother, I'm very hungry right now. No, they just cry. Why? Because they're hungry. They don't care. They don't care what you're doing. They don't care whether you're working. They don't care if you're having a shower. They are hungry and the world is about to end. They can't control their emotions, so they go nuts. Problem is they can't feed themselves, right? So they're just crying. All they could do is cry until someone comes and feeds them. It's all about me. It's all about my foods. It's all about my need. But let's move to a child. What happens when a child gets hungry? They also can't hold it. They also go crazy, but when you tell a child, hey, mom is getting dinner ready, they can wait. Some can wait a bit longer than others, right? But once the food is ready, they will eat. And as children grow, they learn to start to feed themselves, but they cannot prepare the food, right? They can't cook. They need the food in front of them, nor do they have the awareness of where this food actually comes from. It's like kids and money. They don't know where money comes from. They just think that this little you know, machine in the, in the side of a bank is just like the best thing in the world. You just press some numbers and you get money, right? So kids, right? That's the level of awareness. Now, we move to teenagers. Now, when a teenager is hungry and... and from what I know, teenagers are always hungry. Always, always hungry. They have patience, most of them, to wait for meal time. Right? They can feed themselves, and some of them, they start to learn how to cook. You know, they can do a basic, you know, put something in the microwave and whatnot. But they don't buy the food. They don't source the food. They're not paying for any of this. Right? Some of them don't even know where it comes from still. That's a teenager. What about an adult? When an adult is hungry, they go, they cook food, and they eat. But they also have a deeper understanding of where that food comes from. And that food costs money. And to get money, you have to work. You have to be uh, productive. So they go, they work, providing the finance to be able to food to buy the food that they cook, and then they become self-sufficient. That's what an adult is. That's the definition of an adult. They are self-sufficient. They don't need other people. But then the, the final one is a parent. Now, a parent can do everything that an adult can do, but is also invested into cooking and feeding others. Right? There's a difference between adult and parent as well. An adult is self-sufficient, but a parent goes beyond that. And they're actually uh, responsible for feeding others. Now, one of the great progressions that we see within this growth process is the awareness of others, the awareness of the ability uh, of the needs of other people. And that's what the shift is. The shift from being a child, a boy to a man, is 
to care, to, to just be caring for self, to learning to care for others. And in the Christian faith, this is exactly the same. Spiritual immaturity says that I am important, but spiritual maturity says that I am not important and that there are other people and they have needs that I need to attend to. Galatians 6.3, and I'm going to read this in two different versions. The ESV says this, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Or the NLT reads it as this, If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. You are not that important. There's two key words when we think about this. And it's the word selflessness and the word sacrifice. To grow in spiritual maturity, there must be an acceptance of sacrifice in our lives for others. A spiritually mature person accepts that it's not just about me. It's not what I can gain, what I can get but it's about what I can give. That they recognize there are needs in other people's lives that they can fulfill. That's maturity. Now, the opposite is also true. A spiritually mature person considers themselves more important than others, therefore expecting others to serve them and make life easy for them. You know what that is? That's a kid. That's a child. Someone who walks into church and expects, hey, I'm here. Where's my chair? Someone come and say hello to me. You know, oh, morning tea, sir, for me. That's a kid. That's a spiritual kid that cries when they're hungry, waiting for someone to feed them. The problem is this, when we don't, graduate, when spiritually we remain a baby or a child and we do not graduate, then we really think that we're important. We really think that what, who we are is important. And if we're important, then everyone needs to serve me. When we fail to grow up, when we fail to grow up spiritually, we continue to be selfish. Sometimes spoiled little brats crying for our milk. Making life about us because we're important. We don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to lose. We don't want to give up because we're important. We are so important that we get to do whatever we want. Sadly, even though people get older, some fail to embrace this life of maturity. And they really think that it's about them, that they're important. One of the greatest examples of maturity is motherhood. You know, to be, to be a woman is, is one, to be a mother is a completely different experience. You know, being a mom is, is one of the greatest sacrifices that exists in this world. For nine months, they carry this, this uh, child that goes from a peanut to a watermelon. You know, and some watermelons are, are big, you know. Not only that, during that time, 
you know, there's morning sickness, right? You wake up and you feel nauseous, you feel dizzy, and it's not because of what you did the night before. That's a different nauseous and dizzy. You know, like there's a swelling, you know, not the same swelling after you come back from the gym, but, you know, that's swelling. you know. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard that term, right? There's swelling. My wife used to complain you know, my, my, my shoes don't fit because my feet are so swollen. And I'd honey, my, my pants don't fit as well. And she's like, that has nothing to do with this pregnancy. <laughs> or going to the bathroom every hour, right? Do you know why they say don't make pregnant women laugh? Because if they laugh too hard, sometimes they pee their pants. What about the things that they can't eat? Raw fish, blue cheese, alcohol, you know, all these things. For nine months, right? Constantly tired. And, and we haven't even gotten to the birth. My goodness me. Before our first child, we went to these birthing classes before Chris was born. And this was, what, 15 years ago. My son Chris turned 15 yesterday. Congratulations. To us <laughs> and to you a bit as well. Before Chris was born, I thought I was quite well educated and I knew where babies came from until I went to this birthing class. James, you got to go. It's, it's, I promise you, it changes your life. And everyone at that class has never had a baby before. And so they get you to watch this video. Can I just tell you? It was the most traumatic video I've watched in my life. I was like, that's where babies come from? And I kid you not, I learned everything about childbirth in that one video. Changed my life. You're going to make sure you go to that video. Right? They simply say, and, and you know, there's so many different ways to explain or describe you know, the whole birthing, right? Um, in, in high school, and I went to an all-boys high school, so you know, it's not going to be that great. But they were like, it's trying to push a bowling ball out your butt. You know, or trying to push a tennis ball out your nostril. You know, like, and I'm like, and everyone's like, oh, that's really painful. And every lady who's ever had a baby would be like, you're stupid. Boys are stupid. Boys' schools are stupid, you know. Simply, let's just describe it as one of the most painful experiences in life. And that's when you have the baby and then you've got to raise this kid. Right, my firstborn, I said, 15 years. 15 years, the most joyful 15 years of my life. <laughs> For me, I don't know about mum, right? The numerous sacrifices that are made over and over again so that the baby's needs are met, the child's needs are met, the teenager's needs are met. To be a mother means more than giving birth to a child, but is a life of sacrifice. What does a spiritually mature person look like? It's a life of sacrifice for others. It's a life of denying themselves, their importance, their desires, their purposes for the sake of God and for others. Galatians 2.22 reads this, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not my life anymore. See, that's the idea. Spiritual maturity, when you're, you, when you're a young Christian, you're like, I'm a Christian, I'm awesome, I'm saved, it's all about me, hallelujah, I'm going to heaven. But as you grow, you realise that that's not all. 
You realize that there's other people that are hurting, that there are other people that need to be saved, and suddenly your faith is not about you, but it becomes about other people because you realize that I am not important. To be a disciple of Jesus literally means to deny yourself for the sake of others. Luke 9, 23, then he said to them, all whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. A selfish person cannot do this. A self-centered person cannot do this because they think they are too important, more important than Christ himself, and so they will do what they desire. Why would I deny my life and why would I deny what I want for someone that is not more important than me? Do you know what the end goal of spiritual maturity is? And we're going to go through all these statements, but you know what the end goal is? In trying to grow spiritually, where is the destination? It's Jesus. It's to be like Jesus. Who even though was the Son of God, came down from his throne in heaven, came all the way down to be like us, to live like us, and to die for each and every one of us. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, to be like God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be like Christ. That's the goal. You know? To the Philippians church, Paul writes, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. The goal of our faith is not just to believe, but it's for our lives to be transformed, to be more like Jesus Christ. To understand that, that to be walking and following Jesus isn't just about me, but it's about those around me too, because that's who Jesus cared about. But we will be stunted in our growth if we can't get over ourselves. And that's the bottom line. If you, if you cannot get over the, the fact that you are not important, then, then there is a, a serious question mark around how important you actually think Jesus is. So how do we do this? How do we have, how do we get over ourselves? How do we understand that we are not important? And there's two things to this. Number one, you need to have the right view of God. The greatest reason why we think that we are important is because we have an incorrect view of God. Our plans, our desires, our thoughts, they're only so big and so important because we fail to recognize who God is. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts. When we have the right view of God, we start to realize, wait a minute, I'm not that important. Because God is important. God is greater. When we have the right view of God, this is the first step of how we Learn to have the right perspective in life. That's, that's the first thing. Have the, have the right view of God. Secondly, you need to have a right view of yourself. 
Meaning you need to be able to look at yourself in the mirror, in the context of God. Right? Not just look at yourself in the mirror and go, wow, that's amazing. Okay? And if you do that, something's wrong with you. But that's okay. I'm not going to judge you if that's the lie that your mama told you. Okay? You need to be able to see yourself, right? And, and, and the Bible will call it sober judgment. Right? Sober judgment. You need to be able to see yourself in the right perspective. We are not important isn't to say that you are not of value or worth. Okay? That's not what this sermon is about. You know, don't walk out of here with low self-esteem and say, you know, Pastor Steve said that I'm worthless. <laughs> Pastor Steve said that God does not love me. No, God loves you. He very much loves you. He's, you're very important to Him. But on this planet, there's other people around as well. Let's have context. Right? God tells us that we're meant to be His royal priesthood, His holy nation. But God gives us context to see that it's not just about me. There are people around us that we need to know. Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given me, I say to everyone of you, do not think of yourself more higher than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. See yourself in a right view. See God, see yourself. Now, this idea of maturity actually can go beyond just your own self in terms of spiritual maturity as well, but actually can, can be um, applied to your marriage. And can I just say, every marriage is important, but, but in the context of God's big picture, your marriage is not that important. There are other marriages. You know, your family, your children. You know, and I know every child is going to say, you know, you, my child are the best. My, my children are the best. They're the best looking. They're the ones that are going to go to James Roos. They're the ones going to, you know, become the, the life, world changes. You know, they're going to play in the NBA. You know, whatever. Right? And it's like, look, we know you love your child. But you know what? Maturity lets us actually see beyond. And actually, we start to teach. You start to be able to teach your kids that they are not the center of the universe and that there are actually other people around them. I think, we, you know, my family, we have this advantage because that just naturally happens in our house. You know, when you only have one, two kids, right, that they really think that because all the attention is there. When you have five, it's different. You know, you're fighting for cereal in the morning. You know, you're, you have to watch, you know, your siblings. It just naturally happens. But, you know, for families, for parents, you can see that. Okay? And you know what? I want to go one more step. As the church, we can mature too. Meaning, we can be a spiritually immature church. Meaning, it's about, uh, it's about me. It's about how big can our church be? How, how awesome can our equipment be? How, how much influence can we have? But I think as a church, we can also mature and realize that we are not that important. And can I just tell you that? I love our church, but we are not that important. In God's big picture and perspective, we are not that important. There are other churches that are as important as us. You know what that means? It means that we get to work with other churches. It means that we get to have a, a humble posture that says, hey, you and I as a different church, we may not agree on everything, but that doesn't mean we're better. And you know what? If you're serving the kingdom, we're going to come alongside you. I think as a church, we've got to really remember that. Because I think we can become a spiritually immature church. Let's just get big. Let's just make it all about us. No, 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 no. 
That will stunt our growth as a church. If we want to grow mature, a maturity in our church as a church, we need to start realizing that our church, we're just a little, little, little piece. We're just one part of the you know, piece of the puzzle. And, um, next week, we're going to talk more about that. For some of you, the whole journey of maturity needs to start by undoing some of the lies that your mama told you. Yes, she loves you. Yes, you're awesome. But you've got to grow up. There's more to life. There's people around you. You've got to start believing what God tells you. That you're loved by him. That you're valuable and you're, you're worth so much to him. But there are also others that are valuable and so important to him as well. Some of you, you just need to get over yourself. It's as simple as that. Some of you, you just need to be like, okay, maybe I am not as important as I make myself out to be. And that might be a very big, you know, bursting your bubble moment. But that's a reality. If you're in that place and you feel very uncomfortable about that, come and see me afterwards. I'll give you a hug. I'll give you a hug and then I'll send you on your way. It's not about us. It's about God and his plans. If we are not important then, let me finish with this, what is important? If we're not important, then what is important? Where should we be you know, investing our lives into? And, you know, Scripture tells us what's the greatest commandment? To love God, to love others. It's not love yourself. It's not be the best version of yourself. It's to love God and love others. When we make that important, we realize that God is the creator of the universe and the lover of our souls. And when we live for his purposes and we see him properly, then we get to see ourselves properly. And we realize that we are God's holy children living for his purposes. You are not important. But God still loves you. And he wants the best for all of us. But it's time to grow up. Let's pray.